everybody, and welcome back to an episode of Adventures in Angular. This week, I'm your panel. I'm Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs, and this week we're talking to Tom. Oh, let me let me try my Polish. It's going to be an epic disaster. Zmikowski. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty nice. Pretty nice, but not exactly. Go ahead. Why don't you introduce yourself? Let us know who you are, why you're famous. Hello, Charles. Thanks for having me here. And um, hello to everyone who's uh, watching or viewing this uh, episode. And that I am here. I'm a programmer. I have 16 years of experience, commercial experience. Currently, I'm working with uh, mobile, uh, with uh, web applications, mm-hmm. React, and of course, Angular. Right. So React, Ember, and Angular. Yeah. How does that work? Yes, it's fantastic. I can compare all frameworks and see uh, why Angular is the best. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Yeah, I'm curious. Have you moved from like one job to another doing the different frameworks or are you doing the different frameworks where you're working now? Well, it depends. Well, I work still for one company as Mm -hmm. a consultant. And as an okay. expert for this company and consultant, I'm working for different clients. So mm-hmm. depending on uh, clients, sometimes, for example, I had one project in Ember, then I rewrote this project to Angular. I had also for other clients a project in React, another project in Angular. So, uh, so it's very you know different. Now I would be working. I was working uh, some years now with uh, React, and uh, now I will move again to Angular. So I'm pretty happy <laughs> to make this shift. Nice. When I went freelance, I was still only a few years into my development career. My first contract, I was paid 60 bucks an hour. Due to feedback from my friends, I raised it to 120 bucks an hour on the next contract. And due to the podcasts I was involved in and the screencasts I had made in the past, I started getting calls from people I'd never even heard of who wanted me to do development work for them because I had done that kind of work or talked about or demonstrated that kind of work in the videos and podcasts that I was making. Within a year, I was able to more than double my freelancing rates and I had more work than I could handle. If you're thinking about freelancing or have a profitable but not busy or fulfilling freelance practice, let me show you how to do it in my Dev Heroes Accelerator. Dev heroes aren't just people who devs admire, they're also people who deliver for clients who know, like, and trust them. Let me help you double your income and fill your slowdowns. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. So I'm a little curious then, like what do you like about the different frameworks and which one do you prefer and why? Well, Ember has a good separation in the traditional uh, sense, like separation between template and logic controller and um, and style css or scss mm-hmm. so it is pretty nice in ember and ember is extremely fine if it comes to the documentation the community puts a lot of work into this so it's very nice if it comes to react uh, react has this uh, approach of hacking everything and sometimes it's ex- it is exciting for example hooks because it is completely against uh, some basic concepts that we were all learning about for use. Mm-hmm. And if it comes to Angular, it's for me, it's like a little bit in between. So from these three, Angular is among two that are really a framework, such as Angular and Ember. And well, it solves a lot of issues that you have to solve on your own in React. So this is one thing. And another is that it is not uh, 
components, uh, you know, it is not, Re React is only basically, basically a library for the presentation. It mm -hmm. can be called a framework, but it causes the focus to be shifted to the component as the place that you should use to put everything inside, right? Right. And it causes a lot of trouble later with the development. Uh, with Angular, you have this clear uh, division. Now you have you have a have a component, but you also have services and un, uh, helpers and other elements that put off the pressure from component. So it is easier to write a structured and nice code. And also, it's it supports uh, object-oriented programming and TypeScript pretty nicely. In React, sometimes you have to work around some things. And for example, type, uh, you can use TypeScript in React, but in React, uh, sometimes TypeScript causes you trouble because like these two things does not fit entirely if you mm -hmm. don't set up the project correct. And in Angular, you just have only benefits from TypeScript. That is why, for example, I think uh, some people don't like uh, TypeScript because they have this experience with some projects in React. In Angular, it's just poetry to use TypeScript. Nice. Makes sense. So uh, you wrote this assistant for Visual Studio Code. Yeah. And it, it tells you not to do certain things in in Angular. Some of them are good ideas and some of them are, it's like, don't do that. That's a bad idea. So I was wondering, like, what, what prompted you to write this? W were these things that you were doing over and over again or that somebody else you were working with was doing over and over again? Or Yeah, so uh, it started uh, because I had uh, a need for such a tool because... Well, you know, if you are programming, you have a lot of notes, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we use Google, we use that DuckDuckGo, Bing, and we have a lot of notes. And also we uh, memorize a lot of stuff during programming, mm -hmm. right? And it is fine. But sometimes there, I figured out that there are things that you don't use so often. However, mm -hmm. so you don't, it is not so often that you don't memorize them. But you have to know them I don't know, right. once per two months. And if you don't remember it or don't remember when you, where you wrote it down, then you will lose like half of hour, right? To figure it out. Mm -hmm. you know? And we can put comments, right? Of, of course. But sub and use unit tests, but it doesn't fill all use cases. And I figured out, well, it would be nice to have a tool that will show a, a note when I will write a code that looks pretty much the same every time, right? Right. And um, the note will help me. Makes sense. So, yeah, you've got eight things that your assistant finds in this article, and I'll go ahead and uh, drop it in the chat so we can put it in the show notes. But have you updated it since then? Does it do more than eight rules? Well, I, yes, yes. I'm updating it uh, locally. Because what, one thing about the tool is that what is important that everyone can write uh, on notes and pro on calls. And in the article, I shared eight, eight rules for Angular that I found useful, right? And someone who installs it can add his own rules. And mm -hmm. I have a lot of more rules. I have rules for uh, JavaScript, for uh, CSS, for SCSS, for Angular, currently for well, every technology I use. So, so mm -hmm. it's pretty nice. 
to update the document. Cool. So, so let's talk about some of these rules. So, one of the the first rule in here is the and and I don't think I've ever used the double colon deep ng deep. So, what what does ng deep do in SCSS, and why do you have to prepend it with a colon host? Yeah. So this is like the standard notation you can use to access uh, childs that are not exposed in the component itself. Right. So, for example, you have a component, and underneath the component, there is another another component, and you want to style something in that component, right? So mm-hmm. you have to use host. Host indicates the main component, and ngdiv to run the style sheet through um, basically everything that is inside of that component. Uh-huh. Uh, so it is a little bit of a ro- workaround above the standard encapsulation of CSS, of SCSS, of Angular components. And the rule was helpful for me because the notation is, when I was learning about it, the notation was, for me, was a little ambiguous. And I figured out, okay, I'll write the rule down and uh, every time I made, you know, the same mistake, they, it corrected me. And eventually, well, for after some times, I just remembered it, right? But yes, at this stage, it helped me very much because I didn't have to Google it every time, right? Right. So ngdeep actually takes you to or styles stuff in lower components or com- yeah. included components. Yeah. And so then the colon host says, but only do it for components of this particular type and not the other ones, right? Yes, yes. Cool. So, yeah, your next rule, I, I just find this really interesting. So the next one is lifecycle hooks with wrong names. So, yeah, this is something I would do. <laughs> totally something I would do, yeah. So you put in the wrong name for your lifecycle hook, which in this case should be ng after view in it, but you put on after view in it. And yeah, I, I could totally see myself doing this, right? Yeah, yes, exactly. And you have, if you misspell the name, you have trouble because you won't have normally you don't have any warning about it no right it's a function everyone's happy you are happy compiler is happy angular is happy but nothing is happening right right so yeah you, uh, you gotta love those silent errors <laughs> it's broken why is it not telling me why it's broken <laughs> yeah exactly. so yeah i mean this one seems pretty straightforward but i like that yeah it pops up and it says Hey, if you're if you're going for life cycle, it's this, right? And then if I mean to create something that's named that way, then I can just leave it there, right? Yeah. Very cool. So it is also the, useful because well, after a while you become accustomed, right, to the to the naming of the life cycle methods. But mm-hmm. at the beginning, it's like yeah, I don't know if it should be ng or not, and you have um, often you just have to memorize some structures for example when also when you use libraries right right you have some functions and they have to memorize it memorize it no and yep. this, it removes the you know bumps on the rope to memorize internalize the knowledge yeah for me it's it's not even so much that i have to memorize it or not but when i have to stop and figure out what what i did wrong it interrupts the whole flow and so yes. if I can just stay in my flow state and kind of 
work my way through these things and go, oh, it's this, not that. That's really, really helpful. It's kind of like the next one in your list, which is that the wrong template conditional, right? Where you, you put an NGF in there and it should be star NGF, which is another one that I, I can never quite keep straight, right? It's what, what am I doing here? You know? And so, yeah, to have it pop that in and say, no, you need the star here. It's not going to do what you want. Yeah. It's, well, it's interesting you talk about the, the flow because, yeah, it's also important. Uh, if you have a lot of rules uh, for this, you don't have to, you know, Google and so on. You are sti- all the time you are in the code. Mm-hmm. And we all know that, you know, looking at the phone or switching to the browser or doing anything else is, it's, is always a risk that the flow will be gone, right? Or gone yep. to the refrigerator, especially for me. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So on the wrong property declaration, do you want to talk about that one for a minute? Yeah, wrong property declaration has a message that this type of input should be Boolean here, not false. Uh-huh. So this is very... <laughs> maybe I don't know if everyone has this uh, problem, but I have. And sometimes I uh, confuse... Um, the equal sign with the two dot sign. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it's called in English. I just forgot the word. The colon? The, the colon, right. Equal sign and the colon. So when you declare a, a variable with the colon and uh, use false, it will be accepted. You know? So you declare mm-hmm. a variable, variable that is of type false, basically. Right. And, yeah, and again, like everyone is happy, but, but it's not working correctly. And I may, I was making, and to, to this, until this day, I make this error often. I, mm-hmm. I cannot make myself rid of it. And just, I had to make this rule because so now when I will try to do it, just, I had this message that type of input should be pulled not false. And I know. That right. That I should make column Boolean, or if I want to declare a value, I have to make equal false or true. Mm-hmm. And again, my life is just a little bit easier. Right. So the next one on the list is the NGF is empty. Now, do you do this for like some of the other directives as well, like the NG4 or things like that? Like if you leave it empty? No, no. This rule is for NGF, but it can be used also for other rules. And the interesting thing is that uh, there um, there is a repository on GitHub for mm-hmm. uh, the extension, and there are files you can download for uh, for Angular, for CSS, for JS, and also for SQL. Because uh, one team just adopted the whole extension for SQL, and right. it, they love it. And so. You can, if you have rules, you wrote rules, you can just make, make a pull request. And mm-hmm. uh, these rules will be able to also for other people. So it, it is also a way to collaborate on this project. Right. Very nice. So, yeah. So what about square brackets? Square bracket methods. So the message for this is function body should be in curly brackets, not square ones. And again, it's an example of uh, a mistake that can happen. And well, it should be visible in, in the 
in Visual Studio Code that you use uh, brackets, not uh, not not curly brackets, but square ones, right? Mm-hmm. But when you declare, for example, a method that accepts uh, arrays and you use brackets, so sometimes there is this uh, memory that you use also brackets for the body of uh, right and. This uh, this message just indicates that something is wrong with uh, with the definition of the function. And also, it's like also nice nice thing to 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 avoid such things. So so these rules are basically because well, someone that listens to us can wonder, okay, so why we should not use linter as lint, for example, or tslint, or or other solutions, style lint. Right. Yeah. To validate the code, and also we can have uh, linting in the CACD uh, process. No, then no code will go to the repository with uh, some major issues. However, like the problem with well, this is a great solution. However, uh, I think about the assistant in a more personal way, or like more well, a tool that you use in the field when you code. No, because there's a difference between official rules and mistakes you make, no? or mm-hmm. things you have to remember. An example is for me an example of a thing uh, you want to remember is a shorthand for a margin in CSS. So there are different shorthands. You can have two values, three values, and four values, and each uh, shorthand has a different set of properties you, you you described with it. So I don't remember the order for two values and three values, honestly. And I have also a, a note for this. So I, when I start to write the margin uh, column, there is a note with the message I wrote, uh, what is the order, right? Right. So it does not fit into linking and it doesn't fit into other ways of checking the code, it is for you to have a better coding coding experience. Absolutely. Also, like uh, compared to you know and compared to linters, you know, linters usually uh, show the messages in the co- in the information box below, no? And mm-hmm. there's an extension that you can show it also in the code. However, if if you'd like to write a new rule, it is hard with the SLIN and SLIN, no? And mm-hmm. if you have a team of people, it is, it is even harder to teach everyone how to write these rules. And with S, with assistant, it, you just write the regex and the message. And it's all. And you have a new rule. Everyone can use, share it and use it. Yep. Are you ready for core web vitals? Fortunately, Raygun can help. These modern performance metrics play an important role in determining the health of your website which is why Raygun has baked them directly into their real user monitoring tools. Now you can see your core web vital scores are trending across your entire website in real time and drill into individual pages to focus your efforts on the biggest performance gains. Unlike traditional tools, Raygun surfaces real user data, not synthetic, giving you greater insights and control. Filter your score by timeframe, browser, device, geolocation, whatever matters to you most. And what makes Raygun truly unique is the level of detail they provide so you can take action. Quickly identify and resolve front-end performance issues with full waterfall breakdowns, user session data, instance-level diagnostics of every page request, 
and a whole lot more. Visit Raygun.com today and take control of your core web vitals. Plans start from as little as $8 per month. That's Raygun.com for your free 14-day trial. Makes sense. Yeah, I love linters, and they do catch a bunch of stuff, but this stuff seems fairly specific. And like you said, it doesn't show the the warning in the code next to the code, which is helpful in my case, right? It's like, oh, oh, right. Because I always run the linters after I've written the code. Yeah. And well, even sometimes with linters, they ask what with Angular, it's not a big deal. However, well, sometimes also you have the, a message that is so ambiguous, you don't have any clue. I don't know. I remember it mostly with uh, Java, basically. Mm-hmm. Because when I was coding in Java, I had this listing of, uh, you know, factories and had to figure out what is the problem really. For these situations, it is also great because you can make write just a message that will, you know, point you into the right direction and say, "Ah, oh, okay, I have to you know, change uh, one thing and everything will be working." So again, save time and uh, save the flow. Yep, makes sense. So one of the other, there were two more rules in here. One of them was for DayJS, which I've never actually used. I usually yes. use Mo- Moment or something like that. Right, so it's a great library. It's uh, JS is uh, is um, it has less features than Moment JS. However, it uh, supports tree shaking flow, and it was mm-hmm. a big problem for the team of Moment JS to to rewrite the code. So and the, they made the decision to stop development of uh, Moment JS for that reason, and it is uh, you know. I'd love them to rewrite it because uh, Moment.js is awesome, has everything inside. And I still hope they will do it. However, I had to use uh, Day.js to lower the package size. And yes, and for example, this rule indicates how you should create a new Day.js object. Because in case of this library, you have to call a function called Day.js. And no, when you write, uh, a lot of TypeScript code, you just are like, ah, you like DayJS, and, and it is not the case. So, so here, this rule is also an example of how you can use it with uh, libraries. Makes sense. So, so the last one was uh, in the ng on changes. So, do you want to just explain what this last warning is? Yes. So, wrong change detection. And the last rule is for ng on changes, and the message is in ng on changes that does not check if value is not provided for property. And what happens here? I don't remember this rule, honestly. Lifecycle hook is a great check. Oh, <laughs> this is pretty specific. Mm, yes, in the article, there is an explanation of this rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this moment, I just forgot. And it is a great example because I forgot, however, when I will stumble upon this code, the extension will tell me what to do, right? I don't have to remember what this rule was, how this rule was working, but for the podcast, it would be better to know. <laughs> yeah, well, people can go and read the, read the article as well. So I guess the other question that I have is just writing this assistant. I mean, what was it like? Was it that hard to, uh, to put it together? Yeah, it, well, it was an interesting, an interesting experience because before I was working with, uh, years ago, I was working with uh, Visual Studio because I was writing C-sharp 
uh, code there back then. And mm-hmm. I remember that writing extensions for Visual Studio was possible. Right. However, it was not a easy thing to do in the terms of today easiness, right? Right. Because, well, then, uh, well, now everything is easier. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and well, I, I just, I, when I'm talking about it, I recall uh, writing uh, called using Windows API. <laughs> it was fun. Right. Uh, well, so uh, I hope that someone in our age will be hearing this podcast and will have a good laugh too about it. However, if it comes to customizing the, the IDE, I was wondering if it will be easy, if it will be easy or not. And it appears to be extremely easy. Right. So, uh, there are examples of, um, other extensions you can download and they use the different APIs of the whole Visual Studio code. Mm-hmm. And you just hook into the right places and magically everything starts to work. So it was a breeze to write the extension, to publish it, to, you know, add it to the store. I loved to, uh, to work on this and it's pretty. It is also pretty performant because I don't know how it's made. It's some kind of magic because the extension is working flawlessly and uses so little memory and CPU that I'm just amazed. Mm-hmm. But the ecosystem around Visual uh, Studio Code and how it's written is just amazing if you think about it. It supports so many languages. Well, you know, as always, right. uh, Visual Visual Studio. So now I love Visual Studio Code, and <laughs> but I have also worked with Eclipse and uh, IntelliJ solutions. They are also mm-hmm. great, but you know, I just have my preference cards here. Hard to change. Yeah, no, I hear you. I actually resisted for a while. I I tend to not like to jump on the bandwagon with new stuff and. You know, I was writing Ruby and I was writing some Angular and some React and some other stuff. And VS Code just works so nicely for everything. And I didn't have to, I was using Emacs before and I just didn't have to go fuss with my plugins and stuff like that. It just made it really nice to be able to get what I wanted out of it. And so I adopted it. And then, yeah, people like you come along and write more stuff to make stuff easier for me. I just, I, I really, really love it. So yes, that's the, the beauty of this ID. Yeah. Yep. So and, do you... oh, the only problem with uh, with it is that I have so many extensions that I spent some some quality time disabling them for new projects because I have extensions for Angular, React, uh, Java, for C sharp, and so on and so on. So when I open new you know new project, all extensions are enabled. And maybe someone who's uh, listening to that podcast will uh, make an extension that right. will disable them for us. <laughs> yeah. So, what what's your next big thing with this project in particular? Do you have do you have a direction you want it to go in? Are you looking at extending it to with more rules or? Yeah, what's the plan? Well, currently the plan is to have more users because, well, uh, anytime soon I will reach 500 users. So Mm -hmm. it's like an enormous number of users because I didn't, I didn't know 
how many users the extension will have. However, I was talking about it to everyone, even mm-hmm. to my neighbor that is not programming. <laughs> However, like, no, no, he didn't start programming yet. And I, I see him less often. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, uh, jokes aside, yeah, I don't have, um, too much plans with the extension in terms of ah, I have you know this idea and I want to make something big from it because I love uh, have you know little smart small extensions that serve a purpose no it's just like you know it's yeah it is what I love about Visual Studio Code you have you can uh, take these pieces that are like uh, Lego blocks and mm-hmm. make something from them no. Yep. And, and well, on this stage of the project, uh, one thing is that, uh, always keen to read new rules. So submit it to the repository because I can add them to the document and write articles about them and everyone can use it. And, uh, and the person is also credited. And the second thing is that uh, I want people to try it and, uh, you know, give some feedback. Um, what they w- would like to have, what can be useful for them, and uh, depending on it, I w- I'm just open to add new features. Right? It's it's an open source project at this stage, so, mm-hmm. so everyone is invited to you know to fork it or to just try that, a better extension or or support this project. Everything is possible. Right. That makes sense. So. When we were kind of gearing up to do this show, you also said something about programmer flashcards. Yes, yes. This is my second main project, basically, currently, if after my day job. <laughs> so, so I'm working on flashcards that you can use to learn programming languages and also frameworks. Soon there will be mm-hmm. a tag for Angular. And I can show you if you like how it does, how does it look like how it looks like. Yeah, that's fine. Just keep in mind that we only publish the audio for the podcast, so you need to explain pretty thoroughly what you're showing me. Okay, so this is a box of these flashcards, uh-huh. and you have this lovely illust- fantasy illustration, and also it comes with an instruction. I don't have it here, but there is an instruction, and there are flashcards that look look like this. So these are fantasy fantasy flashcards, fantasy key. Oh, nice! Yeah, so it's got like a skeleton or something on it. Is yes, what I'm so seeing. There is a skeleton, and it describes array includes in JavaScript, and it has a description. Checks if an array contains a given element. This array contained a weird skeleton. So there are. Fun descriptions and illustrations that help you memorize functionality or features of a language or framework. And you can just take it everywhere and, you know, learn. Mm-hmm. And it just, well, it's not a book and not a video teaching you programming, but it's, it is something that you, you want to use when you want to build enthusiasm and don't be afraid. That uh, learning programming is so extremely difficult, no? Right. It's like a gu- guideline for it. And it's very nicely illustrated. Right? Mm-hmm. Every card has a fantasy illustration. So this is something definitely for fans of Magic the Gathering. 
And also you can play it. You can play with your friends with four people, up to four people. And there are points of on cards and cards have also superpowers. So you can oh, combine nice. it and just have a fun time. And what is interesting about it, your friends does not have to be interested in, interested in programming at all. They don't have to know anything about it. Right. Yeah, it looks like a game. So yeah, yes. very and, fun. And we were playing it with different people and they, everyone loved it. But it is nice thing, you know, especially now when people go back to the office and want to make some Mm-hmm. or spend some time together aside from coding, I strongly recommend. And also, people buy it for, you know, children as a gift, and also advanced programmers uh, use these decks to, you know, switch between different programming languages right. faster. So, so where, where do people get them? You can check it out on the website of the project. It is uh, salonthejason.com Very so cool. There are all decks there for several programming languages and also currently there is a Halloween discount and uh, there will be a discount for for uh, people who listen to this podcast if uh, you'd be interested Charles I can yeah discount. that'd be awesome yeah yeah just just uh yeah if you do a discount code just do like adventure okay okay and uh, yeah that way people if they want it they can go get it Maybe what do you think about making a, a contest content for contents for listeners for one day? Yeah, absolutely. If you let's see, let's put it at top end devs slash flashcards. Topendevs.com slash flashcards. And if you go and you enter your email address, then after within a couple of weeks of us putting this out, let's say two weeks after this episode goes out, we'll pick a winner and we'll let you know who won. Yeah, right. Hey folks, it's Charles Maxwood, and I just wanted to jump in here and let you know about something that I'm doing. It's free. It's out there just to help you get answers to your questions about the things that you're running into with your career. So if you have questions about how to get further ahead in your career, how to start a podcast, how to get a better job, how to get a raise, how to deal with a situation at work with your boss, or just maybe you're stuck and you don't know where to go next. You know, how do I get from junior to senior, senior to whatever's next? How do I become a speaker? How do I get to the next level? That's what I'm out here to do. So every Wednesday at 12 o'clock mountain time, I'm going to be doing a call and it's going to be free, totally free. Go to devchat.tv slash level up and you can register for the call. It's using Zoom's webinar software. So it's pretty straightforward. And what we're going to be doing is I'll do 10 minutes and I'll just show you how I do some form of how I level up. And then we'll just answer questions. And it's not going to be a question and answer like, hey, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? And then I say Rocky Road or whatever, right? Instead, what we're looking for is more along the lines of, yeah, I have the situation how do I handle it? I'm trying to figure this thing out. How do I figure it out? I'm trying to stay current. How do I stay current? And if you have any of those kinds of questions, I'll bring you on the call. We'll ask some deeper questions. We'll make sure we get you a solid answer. And I'm really looking forward to helping some people out. There will be no sales, no selling, no nothing on these calls. It is literally just 10 minutes of training and then Q&A. So you can go check it out at devchat.tv slash level up. All right. Now, the last segment of this show is picks. So 
I'm just going to go ahead and uh, start us off there. So folks who know me and have been listening for a while, I tend to pick up books and pick books on the show. The book I'm in the middle of right now, and it's just because I kind of slowed down on the training a little bit while I was prepping for the triathlon I actually did on Saturday. Congratulations. Thanks. So I've been in the middle of the 360 degree leader. And if you haven't read the book, it basically talks about how to be the leader when you're not sort of in that position, right? So if you're the team, if you're not the team lead, for example, you still have opportunities to lead and help everybody do better. And so if you're looking for something that'll kind of walk you through some of that stuff, 360 degree leader is awesome. And he really does by John C. Maxwell. He's written a ton of leadership books, but it is a terrific book that just really goes into, hey, here are some of the things that you can do to be a leader, even if you're not, yeah, assigned a leadership position. So definitely check it out. I think it's a book that pretty much every programmer out there should read because we're all put in that position where we can help things go better. And a lot of times what it really comes down to is just being able to deal well with people who either are above you in the management hierarchy or who are maybe at the same level as you or maybe are working under you too. But it just it just kind of walks you through all that and some of the leadership principles there. So I'm going to pick that. And then I'm also going to pick a board game. This is something that I've kind of picked up doing. I think in the past, over all the podcasts we've done, we've had like beer picks and all kinds of stuff. Uh, but board games are kind of my shtick these days. Really, really been enjoying a bunch of these board games. I think last week I picked the Search for Planet X, um, which I really have enjoyed playing. And I'm not sure. I think I also picked the Lost Ruins of Arnak. So I'm going to pick another game. And this is another one of the games that we picked up while we were teaching people how to play board games at TempCon a couple weeks ago. And uh, this game is called Viscounts of the West Kingdom. It's somewhat involved is i know some people have a different appetite for like popular or games that have a lot of moving parts and this is one of those games has a lot of moving parts but it's not so bad that you can't keep track of what's going on but yeah if if you don't like a uh, somewhat complicated game this isn't for you but if you like kind of the game where you can get in and there are multiple multiple strategies to win and kind of uh, fun mechanics to you know how you move and interact with the board and with the other players then uh, this is definitely a great game for you and i've really really enjoyed playing it so it's viscounts that's v-i-s-c-o-u-n-t-s because of course we're uh it's in English, and we have silent letters in our words, so sorry about that. But Viscounts of the West Kingdom, it's it's a terrific game. I'll put a link to it in the show notes so you can go check it out. But yeah, those are my picks. And then finally, I do want to just throw another one out at people, because uh, I know this is going out here within the next week. I am doing a complete relaunch of topendevs.com, and I have a series of masterclasses, just one or two hour masterclasses that you can attend live. You'll also get the recordings if you sign up for Top End Devs uh, subscription. And then I'm going to be putting out a course per month next year. And then if I can get other authors to submit other courses, you'll get all that stuff too. I've got a few people who are interested in helping me put together some of the career-based content. And so we're looking at having courses on like networking with other programmers and things like that, speaking at conferences. I'll probably have something in there just real basic about doing podcasts. But a lot of my courses are going to be uh, career-based. I'll probably throw in like three or four technically-based shows or 
technically based courses. And then I'm also playing with the idea of doing ongoing series, which is kind of like within the Ruby community, we had like Rails casts or Dave Kimura's series, which uh, Drifting Ruby, and, you know, and so I'd like to put be putting out a video a week for members. So it's, hey, here's this thing in Angular, right? So it talks about, you know, maybe one or two of the lifecycle methods. And then the next week we do another couple and then we do some N- uh, NGRX stuff or some RxJS or kind of expand what's offered there without giving out like a full course that you have to watch, right? So it's, oh, I can come in for 15 minutes a week and pick up some concept. And then if you want to go deep on something, we'll have the courses. But I don't see the purpose either in doing like a 20-hour course, right? Unless it's like a full-on mastery, masterclass kind of course. So that's what we're looking at. I am doing a discounted kind of pre-launch sign-up through uh, Black Friday. So it's my Black Friday, Cyber Monday sale this year is just a pre-sign-up. And then you'll get access to the master classes as we're doing them and things like that. And then the first course will come out on January 1st. So go to topendevs.com and check all that out. And yeah, really looking forward to getting some of this stuff rolling. Uh, Tom, what are your picks? Well, I was listening, I will subscribe for this supposedly probably because it's very interesting and the concept for short lessons is just great. I love short lessons because I never have time for making, you know, focusing on 20 hours uh, of course, no? And then I would be able to choose on a topic to learn about. And also what you told about the book, 360 Degree Leader, uh, Mm -hmm. I have to check it out because well, it's, if I may, uh, if we have also a little bit of time, I can share it with you a story that I had lately. Yeah, go ahead. So, well, a developer came to me and asked how it can be improved to, you know, don't, uh, don't spend so much time on daily meetings, on stand-ups. And, well, she is uh, an experienced developer. However, she didn't know how to do it, right? She was... Uh, there were talks about it, and well, everyone was looking for a solution. And actually, I wrote also a short article about it. And I love when I was describing the book. I love it and will read it because well, well, we need to put a lot of more pressure into a concept that every developer in a team can change literally everything, improve everything, especially younger younger developers and. In this situation with lengthy stand-ups, uh, what I can recommend, just, uh, you know, take over them, start to take over the meetings and, you know, structure them, for example, with Scrum or other methodic, and, uh, you know, control the meeting and it will be shortened then, no? Because, well, sometimes we are in a structure and we think someone else should be there and fix things for us, no? But sometimes we can do it. Like it is the essence of leadership that you don't have a assigned role, but you you know go outside of your boundaries and improve things that are outside also. So it's great. I mm-hmm. love that there is a book about it, and these people will be more empowered to take the leadership from any position in the team. Awesome. Those two picks. You wanted to know what? Uh, yeah. What do you want to pick? What do you want to shout out about? Well, you have like a favorite TV show or book or movie that we should check out. Yeah, I was reading currently a book by Stephen King, mm-hmm. Billy Sanders, and uh, it starts. I see. Oh, 
Yes. So I, I'm reading out of technical books, right? But I received a disc, uh, a coupon code from my company to buy some books. And well, I chose one technical book, one self improvement book, and one I didn't know what to buy, right? Uh-huh. And I went to the bookstore and just uh, took something that was in top 10, right? And uh, all books was great, but this uh, was especially speci- interesting for me because it was totally different than I read every day, no? Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, now there was, it was another, and now I'm reading uh, Stephen King. Stephen King, and it's interesting, right? Just dive into a different story, especially now. It's just so nice to read a book with some different story and think about something totally different than what we have around us and about not about programming. So I recommend to read some novels. <laughs> yeah. I love novels. The novel, I'll just throw out some novels too, since we're talking about them. Uh, one of them is, and this is one that I read a long, long time ago when I was like in junior high school, but it's one that my kids, I've been listening to in the car with my kids because I drive my my 15-year, or my 14-year-old and my 13-year-old to school every day. And so we've been listening to The Sword of Shannara by Terry Brooks, mm-hmm. which is epic fantasy. And then lately, I've been listening to the Expanse book series because the last book is supposed to be coming out within the next few weeks. And so you get into these series and, you know, you start listening. It's like, wait, what was going on? So I've just gotten into the habit of when a new book comes out, listening to the whole series and then listening to that book. So right now I'm in the middle of uh, Sybilla Byrne by James S.A. Corey. But the whole Expanse series is awesome. And after a while, he started writing uh, novellas that go between the, the novels. And so anyway, good stuff. So yeah, it's it's a space opera. But uh, anyway, good stuff. So I'll put links to those in the show notes as well. Yeah, Tom, if people want to contact you or get a hold of you online, where do they go? Uh, they can go to contact at tomasznikowski.com. Uh, can I share the link? In the- yes. Yeah, put it in the chat, and then we will uh, make sure that link gets put into the show notes. And let me get links to these other two books. Yeah, usually people share like a Twitter or something like that. But yeah, if you have a contact ah, page, Twitter. that's even better. Ah, okay. So I can share also Twitter. No worries. Just awesome. Part of Yeah. Awesome. Well, all right. I love, love the section of pics. <laughs> yeah, it's always fun. So buying today. <laughs> yeah. Good deal. All right. I'm going to put a link into Leviathan Wakes, which is the first book in the Expanse series. If you haven't read them, that's where you start. But yeah, uh, this was a lot of fun. Hopefully so yeah. you, we get some people checking out your uh, flashcards too. Those look like fun. So I'm gonna, I might have to go get me a set. But uh, yeah, we'll wrap it up here. Until next time, folks, max out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.